0: Today, God, I thank you for your presence, Lord, here in the, in the sanctuary. I thank you that you have blessed us today and honored your word, that as we praised and worship you, you have been exalted in our midst today, and we don't take that for granted, God. We are so grateful for your presence with us, and, and God, we know that you want to speak something to us today through uh, your word, and so I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you Ruach, would say to us. God, I pray that this word would uh, transform and change my life and the life of each one here uh, listening to this message and those who might be listening to it uh, on the podcast and on the internet. Uh, God, that it would be a word that goes in and, and takes root in our lives and, and, and produces abundant fruit for your kingdom. And we just give you glory and honor in Yeshua's name. Amen. So today's message is in the title, I am the light of the world. Last week, Rabbi Michael started our new series on the seven I am statements of Yeshua as recorded for us in the book of Yochanan, the book of John. And as he introduced this series last week, he shared that we can see a parallel between these statements of Yeshua and Adonai's proclamation in the Torah, in the Tanakh, of himself. And he reveals this first to Moshe when he says, I am. As Moshe says, Who should I say is sending me when he says you need to go and uh, deliver the people of Israel? And Adonai said, I am. And so we see this parallel between Yeshua's statements and that of uh, Hashem in the Torah and in the Tanakh. And as Rabbi Michael uh, shared last week in his introduction, so many people have a skewed view of who Yeshua is for several reasons. One, because they have not read the word. And when you've not read the word, uh, then how can you know who he is? Or they've not taken uh, the time uh, to see who he says he is with his own words and who he reveals he is with his actions in the scriptures to those who he walked among while he was here on this earth. And so today, as I said, we're going to understand who he is when he proclaims, I am the light of the world. Now for us as a Messianic congregation, uh, I want to just warn us uh, not to check out. Now why would we check out? Because we often talk about Yeshua as the light of the world around Hanukkah time. And you heard many messages from us Uh, at Hanukkah time on that because that's the theme of Hanukkah and also even on our weekly Shabbat celebration as we light the Shabbat candles we know we're welcoming the light of Yeshua into our homes and so because we do this on such a normal uh, uh, basis it can seem something that we're so familiar with that we're like oh I know all about that and and you know I can be thinking about my lunch I'm going to eat later and which I think mine's going to be a grilled cheese sandwich but with a little mustard on it, but but I want you to focus because God has something he wants to speak to you, and the word of God is always meant to impact our lives and to change us. It is no good to sit here and listen to this message and to walk away and not do anything about it. More than anything else, my husband and my heart's desire is that every message that we would speak and preach would change and transform our lives as well as yours, because that's what it is meant to do. So I want to encourage you to open up your hearts uh, to, to what God wants to say. And when we read through the book of Yohanan, there are two stories, uh, two incidents, in where Yeshua declares, I am the light of the world. So we're going to look at... Both of those separately. They're connected, though, in thought and things. And we'll spend more time on the first passage. But I want us to see what he is trying to convey, understanding especially the context of each uh, story because it will help us to gain understanding and then to apply this truth to our life. So the first is the story, of the woman who is caught in adultery, which is recorded for us in Yohanan, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. So you can follow along there in the PowerPoint as I read these verses. But Yeshua went to the Mount of Olives. At daybreak, he appeared again in the temple court. So where is he at? Okay, some of you know, where is he at? The temple court. This is important to our context because I'm going to share with you in a few minutes. Where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. Now the Torah teachers teachers and all the Perishim meaning the Pharisees, brought in a woman who had been caught committing adultery and made her stand in the center of the group. Then they said to him, Rabbi, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in our Torah, Moshe commanded that such a woman be stoned to death. What do you say about it? They said this to trap him so that they might have ground for bringing charges against him. But Yeshua bent down and began writing in the dust with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, The one of you who is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he bent down and wrote in the dust again. On hearing this, they began to leave one by one, the older ones first, until he was left alone with the woman still there. Standing up, Yeshua said to her, Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Yeshua said, No one, sir. She said, No one, sir. Yeshua said, Neither do I condemn you. Now go and don't sin anymore. Yeshua spoke to them again. Who is the them again? Where is he at? He's where? In the temple court. And the people had gathered around. So he says to those who gathered around to him, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light which gives life. So the context is interesting. The immediate context is that these men have brought this woman who they say was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, that means there was a man there with her if she was caught in the very act. And it is interesting that no man is brought with this woman. So immediately we see the hypocrisy of the men bringing these accusations against this woman. This woman, And of course we know they only have really one purpose in bringing this woman as we read there in verse 6. And that's to try to trap Yeshua. So they're not interested in justice. Because if they were, they would have brought the man with the woman as well. So that's just a side little issue there. And... Um, Yeshua doesn't answer them, though. In fact, he initially ignored them as he bent down and began to write things in the dust. And in verse 7, they pressure him again. Uh, and finally, he replied, if you are without sin, then you uh, cast the first stone. And he stooped down to continue writing in the dust. Now, there's been much speculation about what he was writing on the ground. Some feel it was a list of sins that these particular men were guilty of. We don't know what it was, but what we are told is that one by one, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, these men who brought the accusation began to leave until only Yeshua and the woman remained, and he extended forgiveness and encouraged her to stop sinning. And then he turned again to those gathered there in the temple court, and he declared, I am the light of the world. Now, what would this mean to these people who had just... Witness this scenario, and also who were there in the temple court? What was he trying to convey to them, and what can we learn to apply in our lives today? So not only were they in the temple courts, we need to go back to Yocanon chapter 7, and many commentaries and scholars will take this verse directly back to chapter 7 and ignore the story about the woman caught in adultery, but I think it is pertinent to our understanding as well. But in Yoganon chapter 7, we are told uh, the season of the year. If you look in verse 1 and 2, it says, After this, Yeshua traveled around in the Galil, intentionally avoiding Yehuda because the Judeans were out to kill him. But the festival of of Sukkot in Yehuda was near. And then as you read through chapter 7, so the time of the year is Sukkot. It's the fall. So verse 7 tells us that finally Yeshua traveled to Jerusalem for this feast, as was customary for all Jewish people to do in the time of Yeshua, because Sukkot, as we all should know, who are part of this congregation, is a pilgrimage feast. Now today, most Jewish people do not make that pilgrimage up to Jerusalem on Sukkot, but that's what they did during the time of Yeshua. And then when we look on verse 14 in chapter 7, it says that halfway through the festival, again, which lasts about seven days, he went into the temple and he began to teach. And then if you look at verse 37 in chapter 7, it says that he stood up on that last day and he taught once again, and that is where he says, you know, uh, I'm the, about, he talks about the living water, which was something that is associated with a tradition that uh, took place at Sukkot. But why is this important to understand the context of this passage? Because of what took place in the temple during Sukkot time. The Mishnah tells us in Tractate Sukkah, which is just a section that gives us all the information about the holiday of Sukkot. You can follow along here. I put this up here. There were four golden menorahs with four golden bowls at the top of each and four lathers, each leading to a bowl. Four strong young Kohanim would climb up with pitchers, each holding nine liters of oil. That's quite a bit of oil, which they would pour into the bowls from the worn-out clothes of the Kohanim. They made wicks. And with them they let the menorahs, and there was not a courtyard in Jerusalem that was not lit up by the light. So Sukkot, during the time of Yeshua, had this uh, uh, lighting of the four menorahs, and these four menorahs would light up all the courtyards of Jerusalem. And then it goes on to tell us there in the Mishnah that pious men and men of good deeds would dance around, etc., then another commentary says that these lamps were intended to remind the worshiper of God's leading the people of Israel through the wilderness at night by a pillar of fire. The lighting of the lamps also signified Israel's recommitment to the God of light, and it was accompanied, as I said, by festive music and dancing by the chosen men of piety and holiness." So this background, along with the story of the woman caught in adultery, is important for understanding this passage. Every person in that temple court listening to Yeshua had just experienced the magnificent lights of the menorah during Sukkot. And they had also just witnessed how he extended grace and compassion to this woman uh, in, in giving her forgiveness. Uh, as these other men had brought accusation against her. Now, the four menorahs erected during Sukkot were temporary. They were awesome in shining the light throughout the city of Jerusalem. Some sources say that they were 75 feet high. How tall is this? Right, so higher than our sanctuary, about double it. So 75 feet high. Okay, and in ancient sources, we are told that Jerusalem was known as the City of Lights because of uh, of this uh, particular uh, feature during Sukkot. So, this was had taken place, but now Sukkot has ended because we know in John seven thirty seven, Yeshua stood up on the last day and made this proclamation. So, it has just ended, or if you think it's closely connected, it is the last day. So, these lights are no longer going to be shining in Jerusalem. They only shine during the festival of Sukkot. Darkness would now cover the city. There wouldn't be this shining light from these menorahs. And Yeshua is proclaiming that He is the light, and in His light there is no darkness. See how important that is for these. Uh, Jewish people listening to him, because as Sukkot was over, they were now going to experience darkness in part during the nighttime. I'm talking about in the natural, physical sense. Yeshua, of course, is talking about spiritual light. And he was sharing with them that his light permeates through the darkness of men's depravity and brings life to those who are willing to accept and walk in it. Listen again to what he said. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light which gives life. So what can we glean from this statement and the whole context of this story? First of all, light drives out darkness. And we sung this in this song today in our worship. Yeshua is the light of the world. Darkness, no matter how dark it is, is not more powerful than light. Never, 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 in the natural and never in the spiritual. And that we are living in a time where darkness is all around us. And again, I'm not talking naturally. I'm talking in our world with all the events of this week. Uh, Again, the uh, mass killing of people in France, uh, the attempted coup in Turkey. There's such uh, unsettling things happening in our world. And and, uh, a lot of it is motivated from spiritual darkness, a place of spiritual darkness. But God's light can never be put out by the darkness of the world. And we read in Yokanon chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, in him, meaning Yeshua, was life, and the life was the light of mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not suppressed it. Darkness is simply the absence of light. When you walk into a dark room and you turn on the light, what happens to the darkness? It's not there. Right? So tonight when you go home and later in the evening, for me, my bedroom's upstairs. When I walk up the stairs and I go in and I flip the light on, now I can see. Because that light dispels the darkness that was in the room. Spiritually speaking, the light of Yeshua, he is saying, pushes away, dispels, gets rid of all darkness. Again, darkness cannot overpower light no matter how uh, hard it tries. The second thing that we see from this statement of Yeshua is that light is necessary for life. Again, think about it in the physical realm. Without light, it is hard for life to exist. We know that our plants need the light for the whole photosynthesis process. We all learned about that, you know, in our uh, grade school and middle school science classes. And the light gives life to our plants and to our very being. So Yeshua is declaring that He is giving life to mankind. Through himself because he is the light of the world. And he tells us in Yolkanon 10 that I have come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Okay? That's what I'm saying. Darkness cannot stand before the light of God's presence of Yeshua in our lives. So he's making this proclamation to the uh, men and women in the temple and to us today that he gives life to us when we embrace and accept Him as the light of the world. Now, throughout the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, Adonai Hashem is often called uh, the light, especially through the book of Psalms. And there are so many verses, and I just had to narrow them down, otherwise we'd be here. Uh, A long time, if I read all the verses talking about God's light, but it would be a good thing for you to to maybe study this week to gain a better understanding and and to help you to apply this word. It's just go through and look for all the scriptures that talk about Adonai being light. But I just want to share a few with you from the book of Tehillim. Uh, Chapter 27, verse 1. Adonai is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? Right, is that verse. Isn't that powerful? Now think about it. As little kids, how how many little kids do you know who are not afraid of the dark? Almost every little kid is afraid of the dark. Even sometimes, as big kids, we're afraid. Sometimes I get afraid of the dark when I'm alone in the house. And and like uh, my husband had to go pick Josiah up late Thursday night around 10:30, and I realized my front door is open. I'm like, I really get up and go lock that front door. I'm a home. I'm alone home here. And who knows, you know? um, So the darkness represents unknown. But when that light comes in, you know. you're no longer afraid because you can see what is there. And so when spiritually we receive the light of Yeshua into our lives, fear goes because the darkness has been pushed out, and now we can see clearly. So that's why the psalmist says, Whom shall I fear? Because he's my light and my salvation. Then in verse 43, verse 3, the psalmist says, Send your light and your truth and let them be my guide." Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. So, light guides us. Again, think about it. If you're walking in the nighttime, you want to have a good flashlight or a good torch or something that's going to. Well, I'm thinking of. Uh, okay, I'll explain them as a like torch. What are you think? Because I'm thinking about you know being in a cave as you're going through in ancient times, and they would have the torch that would light them. They didn't have flashlights. My husband's laughing at me. Today we have flashlights. In the ancient days, they had torches. But you need a good light to be able to see the path in front of you so you don't stumble and you don't fall. So that leads you where you should go. Tehillim 18.28, For you, night, light my lamp. Adonai, my God, lights up my darkness, making it very personal. God, you come to me, and personally, you light me inside. And again, that's that personal relationship that Yeshua was talking about when he says, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me. And we're going to talk about that part in a minute. So that's that personal relationship, and God lights up my darkness. Each of us have areas in our life that are frightening to us, areas that cause fear and things, That's because darkness is is trying to, uh, cover that area and God's light comes and shines upon it and again there's no more fear in that then look at verse 56 verse 13 I can walk in God's presence in the light of life and 89 verse 15 how happy are the people who know the joyful shout which is the shout of victory why because they walk in the light of your presence Adonai very very important again victory that shout of victory only happens because we're walking in the light of His presence. So you see how powerful it is to recognize Yeshua as the light who gives us life. So that light brings protection. It delivers us from harm. It it takes away fear. It directs our path and leads us in the direction we should go. It brings peace and blessing and goodness into our life. And it brings victory to us. Light that gives life. The third thing... When we look at this passage and what Yeshua was doing, as light of the world, Yeshua demonstrated compassion and mercy. Tehillim 1.12.4 says, to the upright, he shines like a light in the dark, merciful, compassionate, and righteous. You see, Yeshua's response to this woman was one of mercy. Yes, she was wrong. Yes, she deserved to be punished. But his light revealed that all standing there that day needed the mercy that he was about to extend to her because none of them was without sin themselves. And he, as the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world, was ready and willing to extend forgiveness to this woman as well as every other person standing there that day if they had simply come to him. So when he challenged these men to reflect on their own lives and see who had no sin that they could throw that first stone there was no one who could do do so. Why? Because each one of us has a sin problem. And often we are like these Purushim and Torah teachers. We want to come to Yeshua and we want to say of our neighbor Yeshua, Yeshua You see this person here? You see what they're doing? You see how their actions are against your Torah? And can you please take care of them? They deserve to be punished. And Yeshua wants to say, uh, Carol, if you are without sin, you can pick up the stone and throw it first. To which, if I am honest like these men were, I have to take a step back and say, you know what? I am not without sin. And in my sin, I want Yeshua's compassion and mercy extended to me. So why wouldn't I want him to extend mercy and compassion to others? But often we are very judgmental and, again, wanting Yeshua to zap it to those others while we are the recipients of his mercy and compassion. And the fourth thing from this passage, and then we'll look at the second one, is that to enjoy the life given by the light of the world, one must follow Yeshua. This is reminiscent of the children of Israel following the pillar of fire through the wilderness. Think about it. If they did not follow it, uh, things wouldn't go well for them. They had a choice. They didn't have to follow the pillar of fire and the cloud by day. Uh, they could have wandered off and d- d- uh, do anything they wanted to do. But it was by following that cloud and that fire that they made it through the wilderness. So to follow a person means we must trust them. Abigail's Devar Torah went very well with this, even though she didn't know what my message was about, and talk about obedience and trusting God. Because when we're talking about following God, we are talking about obeying His commandments and His word. So often we want the benefits of of the light in our lives. We want mercy. We want compassion. We want peace. We want the abundant life. You know, we want protection. We want the fear to be gone. But we're not willing to follow Yeshua in our daily life, in our choices. So following means we're connected intimately intimately with Yeshua, and we are compelled to do what He instructs us to do in His Word. It's allowing him to lead us through life. And a lot of us have a problem because we like to be in control. And so Yeshua is trying to take the steering wheel. He's driving in the seat, and it's like you're over there sitting in the passenger seat, and you're trying to yank the steering wheel out of his hand and trying to take control. But Yeshua knows exactly where he's taking the car of your life. And, uh, and he's got it on the path that's going to bring you everything your heart could ever desire and so much more. But because you have a problem following him, and you have a problem with leadership, you're bucking, snorting against him and trying to grab that steering wheel out of his hand. And then you get upset because the light of his presence and all the blessings and things don't seem to be flowing in your life. When we become stubborn and resistant to his leadership, it does not help us to experience the life he wants to give us as the light of the world. I want to conclude now by looking at the second incident in which Yeshua proclaimed he was the light of the world. This is found in chapter 9, verses 1-7. through Follow along on the screen as I read these verses. As Yeshua passed along, he saw a man blind from birth. His Talmudim asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, to cause him to be born blind? Yeshua answered, His blindness is due neither to his sin nor that of his parents. It happened so that God's power might be seen at work in him. As long as it is day, we must keep doing the work of the one who sent me. The night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. There it is again. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, put the mud on the man's eyes, and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Shiloak, that means scent. So he went and washed and came away seeing. So here we have a man who is blind since birth. He has never seen light at all. He's never seen the colors. Around him, and Yeshua performs a miracle and gives this man sight and the ability to see everything in his life for the first time. And in that context, he declares, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So, what does Yeshua want us to glean from his declaration in this story and in this context? I'm just going to outline uh, quickly a few things here. First of all, that there are people all around us who are like this blind man. This blind man did not have physical sight. The people around us do not have spiritual sight. He didn't know what it was like to see the red rose, the green grass, the blue sky. Even if people tried to describe it to him, he could never understand it because he had never, ever, ever seen. The people around us in spiritual darkness are just like this blind man. They are in desperate need of receiving spiritual sight. The second thing that I want us to consider is, he said that while he was in the world, he was the light of the world. Who is the light now? It should be us. Matiahu five fourteen through 16. Yeshua says to us in his Talmudim, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Likewise, when people light a lamp, they don't cover it with a bowl, but put it on a lampstand so that it shines for everyone in the house. Now, how many have lamps in your house that sit on the end table or something? right?" Everyone have a lamp in your house? Now, how many of you take that lamp and and hide it under your bed or stick it in the closet to get light? None of you. You have that lamp on the table for a reason so that it will light the room where it is sitting in. Spiritually speaking, God says some of us, we are the light of the world. Once we receive Yeshua and we're following Him, He is now removed from this world physically, and He tells us that we are to do His work. So, if he was shining as the light, then we are to shine as the light. Yet we often are hiding. So, whatever we can hide behind, and we're like, is someone watching me? Is someone looking? Right? We're afraid to let the light shine. Because he says it shouldn't be that way. Verse 15. Let your light shine before people so that they may see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. See, we know that his light dispels darkness. And as I've said, there is much darkness in the world around us. But if we let the light of Messiah shine through us, it will push that darkness out. And I want to tell you, you may not realize this, but people around you are concerned. There's not any person in this world who cannot be concerned about what the future holds for us, for mankind. As I said, it is unsettling, all the things happening in the past six months or so. It has been unbelievable. And the future looks like it's going to continue. And in that context, people who do not know Yeshua and who have not embraced him as the light of the world that will bring them eternal life, they're looking for something to give them hope. Where we are to be that light that shines in their darkness so that they could see the goodness of God and that they too can come to his life light, and experience eternal life. We need to be compassionate to those who are walking in darkness like Yeshua was to the woman who was caught in adultery and as he was to the man born blind. The third thing is there should be an urgency about our shining light in the darkness around us. Yeshua says we must do the work we must do the work. Think about it when you read through the to the Gospel, and I encourage you to to try to do that on a regular basis. I don't know how you read through the Scripture. I always try to be reading in the Tanakh and the New Covenant, and I will often go back and read through the the Bissarot just to keep uh, Yeshua's life in front of me and who he uh, was as he walked on this earth, but. He took the time to spread his light wherever he went. He cared about people, and he knew that he had what they needed. He was a man on a mission. And friends, that's what we need to be. It says he came to seek And to save the lost. And since we are now His light shining on the earth, we too must be compelled with that same passion to let our light shine wherever we go instead of trying to hide behind something. We have to be, we need to be compelled to let our light shine. There are people you are meeting every single day who need the hope that you have. And all you have to do is hope in your mouth and just share the goodness of God and let the light shine through you. And the last thing is there's only so much time left for us to do the work of spreading the light. We must work while it is daytime. Now, I'm not going to give you a time frame because God says you shouldn't do that. And the signs of the times that we're living in, for generations there have been signs like this. But what I can tell you is, you don't know what tomorrow holds for you, or for that person sitting across the desk from you, or that person working beside you in the cubicle. You don't know how much time, you don't know what tomorrow holds for them. And while it is daylight, while there is time for that person and for you You and I need to be that light that shines in the darkness. You may be the only light that could shine in the darkness of their life to bring them life. You are the light of the world. So we who have embraced Yeshua into our lives and are following him We are experiencing the power of his light in our lives to dispel darkness and evil from us. We are experiencing, again, that abundant life here on this earth, and we have that promise and hope of eternal life. But it is now up to us to be that light that shines in the world around us. And my question to you is whose life Will you let the light of Yeshua shine on this week through you? So I want us to stand to our feet, and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that God gives you several people, because every day you need to be a light who shines in the darkness. And that God would give you people that this week you can shine the light of his presence on as we close here in prayer today, and then I'll close with ironic benediction. I thank you for your word. I thank you first and foremost, Yeshua, that you are the light of my life, God, and of everyone who has embraced you. I thank you, Yeshua, that you have driven darkness from my life, that you have given me eternal life, that my name is written in the book of life. I thank you that I have been brought out of darkness, out of the miry pit, and into your wonderful presence. And I thank you that you have done that for many who are here today. And Yeshua, I ask now that you would quicken each of our hearts to take the word that you have spoken to us and not just say, wow, I, I have the light and, and all the, the blessings that come with that, the protection, the peace, the goodness. But God, we'd also take the part that you want us to, to let that light now shine through us. And for each one of us, God, I pray that this week, Lord, in every week going forward, Lord, that we would be conscious of the people you bring into our lives every day. And I pray that you would help each one of us to shine so brightly in the darkness around us. God, that many, many people who said that they, that they would be drawn to God because of the light that shines through us. So I pray that many people would be drawn through the people of this congregation who would shine brightly your light and dispel darkness and evil and give people a hope through you, God. I pray you just begin to speak to hearts today of, of people who you want them to reach out to. And even throughout the week, as we're just about in the community, Lord, people who you might bring into our lives strangers God that we would shine brightly in their lives as well and I thank you in Yeshua's name amen I encourage you to be a light that shines I don't know Rabbi Carol how can I do that I'll give you a couple of hints a couple things you could do come to the picnic tomorrow bring someone with you and make food for them. Don't make them bring their own food. Come sit at the table next weekend. Come out with us on Thursday night on outreach. It gets you in the mindset, okay? And then every day, I was sharing with them that I was I, was, I had to run up to the store from here on Thursday, up to the store up here on Portion Road. And as I was leaving, there was a elderly woman pushing a shopping cart out of the parking lot. And I went and I turned around. And I said, could I help you get to where you're going? Because I know she was going to be pushing that down to wherever her house was. She said, no, but thank you and blessings to you. All right? There are people around us. Even though she didn't accept my help, I believe it touched her heart that someone took the time to turn their car around and come back. Look for those people that God brings into your life that you could help this week and that you could shine His light and you could share the hope of Messiah that is within you. So let me bless you with the ironic benediction today. And may you walk in the light of his presence, following after him. And may you enjoy all the blessings that come from his life. Adonai may Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai may Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his presence. Adonai shalom. May Adonai lift up His face towards you, and give you peace. May you walk in the shalom and light and life of Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.